beautiful promise, isn't it? Amen. Did you hear about the elderly gentleman who moved into retirement community to spend the rest of his life there? During the time, he got to know a lot of the folk in the community. And there was a lady that he was especially attracted to. And thankfully, she was attracted to him as well. They spent a lot of time together. Finally, one evening, he proposed asking her to marry him. The next morning, he woke up remembering that he proposed to someone, but he didn't remember what the answer was. So he went to the lady, knocked on the door. She opened the door and he said to her, I am really embarrassed. I know I proposed to you last night, but I can't remember what you said. Yes or no? Thank goodness, the woman replied. I remembered saying yes, but I didn't know who I said it to. New Year's resolutions are like that. We easily forget them. We remember making them, but we forget them as well. I read an article recently that listed the five most popular resolutions that are made every year. The fifth one was to take up a new hobby. The fourth was to make more money. The third was to improve relationships. The second was to stop smoking. And the most popular resolution for years has been to lose weight. I make that every year. When I read that, it reminded me of the woman who walked into a bathroom at home and she saw her husband sucking in his stomach as he was standing on a scale. It's a Bahamian woman too. <laughs> so she said to him, rolling on the floor, you think you're going to lose weight by sucking in your stomach, eh? Her husband said to her, sticking out his tongue at her, sure it will. That's the only way I can see the numbers on the scale. <laughs> so, rather than a re resolution, I want to speak to you tonight about devotion. Not resolution, but devotion. Or another word, if you want, is commitment. And this is why I want to speak about devotion and commitment as we enter to 2011. First, I believe that too many Christians are not truly devoted to Jesus Christ. I believe that there are too many church members who are not devoted to the church. I believe that there are many... Christians who believe and claim that they have advanced to Christian maturity, but who really haven't even been established in the basics of the faith yet. 
I believe that we have too many phony professors of being Christians and too few genuinely dedicated, devoted disciples. I believe we have too many sanctimonious saints and too few devoted believers. I believe we have too many who hate to hear the words commitment, dedication, devotion, repentance, but they love to hear the words ease, relaxation, fun, and freedom. I believe there are too many who see themselves only as independent believers, accountable only to themselves and no one else, rather than seeing themselves as being interdependent members of one incredible body, the body of Jesus Christ, who are accountable to one another. I believe we have too many who forget that the last words that Jesus spoke to his church was not rest and relax, but to repent. The last words Jesus spoke to his church is recorded in the book of Revelation. And there are seven churches there. And every one of them, well, six of them, he said, repent, 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 repent. That's the last words that Jesus Christ said to his church. Repent. We need to hear that word again and respond to it. It is repent, not relax. Lance Havner, some of you may be too young to know who he is, but he was a popular preacher in the United States of America, and he was probably one of the most quoted preachers in the United States. He was a real down-home type of a fellow, but he said so many amazing, pithy statements about biblical truths that many remember what he says. He tells of watching the great cellist Pablo Castles teaching a class of advanced students on TV. His students were all accomplished musicians already, and they didn't really see any need for instruction. They had everything down pat, they said. But Pablo did not feel this way. After listening to them for a while, he looked them he looked straight at them and said, you're playing the notes, but not the music. Vance Havner then applies this to us as Christians. He says, something like that is the trouble with modern Christianity. We are playing the notes, but not the music. We're singing the words, but not the melody. I believe, for the most part, this is a perfect description of the quality and kind of Christianity we have in the Bahamas as we enter the second decade of this 21st century. Christians who play the notes but not the music of the Christian commitment and devotion that is demanded by our leader, Jesus Christ. We have Christians who sing the words of Christian commitment but who do not feel and express the true melody of that commitment or that devotion. They're just something that they go through the motion with. Such persons become spiritually obese because they take in, but they don't give out. They're like the Dead Sea. It's supposed to be alive, but it 
takes in but it doesn't give out and it's stagnant and sometimes it even stinks. You see, that's why the majority of churchgoers today are only spectators to the work and the will of God being fulfilled in their local church by the minority who are truly committed and devoted to Christ. They take in, but they don't give out. They're stagnant. For many professing Christians, other than perhaps changing churches or denominations, nothing else has really changed for them since they profess to be saved. There's no change. As one pastor told a lady who was about to change church membership to go to another church, he said, well, you know, it really doesn't matter if you change labels on an empty bottle. It doesn't matter if you change labels on an empty bottle. Or as Vance Havner again says, and I quote him, if you are what you have always been, you're not a Christian. If you are what you've always been, you're not a Christian. A Christian is a new creation. And that's right. We saw it quoted on the screen just now. See, everything becomes new when a person is truly converted. And they continue to be renewed. Because as Paul teaches in the word, the believer is being daily created after the image of Jesus Christ. It's an ongoing renewal. And so if you are not changing, I don't care how many churches you belong to. I don't mind how much you've given to the church. I don't mind how much you've served the church. You're not a new creation in Christ. You're just the old creation singing the notes. This means, therefore, if there's a change that is supposed to be going on in our lives as believers, that if we are in 2011 exactly what we were in 2010, there's much reason for us to examine ourselves to see whether or not we be in the faith as we go into 2011. The year might be new, but not you. Again, to quote Vance Havner, he says, Church membership has become no more than a religious credit card that costs nothing in life and will be worth nothing in death. End of quote. I believe that many Bahamians will enter 2011 with the intention of using that kind of a credit card. Too many professing Christians believe that they are genuine, committed, devoted disciples simply because they call themselves Christian. In fact, we had a little back and forth with, in a dialogue we have with some pastors the other night on TV. Just because we have that little phrase in our preamble to the Constitution, it makes us a Christian nation. That's absolute nonsense. You see? If I have athlete's feet, or do you call it foot? Does that make me an athlete? Some Christians are like that. 
in a Christian country, so therefore I'm a Christian. I come to a Christian church, therefore I'm a... No, 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 no. A label, a tag alone doesn't cut it. We must not forget that the church began as a response to the command of Jesus Christ to do what? To repent. That's how it began with the command to repent. And so I believe that if the church is to be the church in 2011 and the year beyond, then we need to begin again with repentance. If my people, that's speaking to God's people, if my people, today that's speaking to Christians, if my people will humble themselves, seek my face, He's talking to those who say they're believers in Christ. Turn from their wicked ways. Then he says, I will heal. Repentance is to be a mark of a growing Christian. I want to propose to you then this evening as we begin a new year that we need to go back to the basics as we begin the second decade of this 21st century. And we need to do what the primitive, the early church did. And we need to do it with the same zeal, the same commitment, and the same devotion with which they did it. In fact, this is what Jesus himself, the head of the church, gave as a formula for renewing lost love. Jesus gives the divine formula as to how we can restore, renew lost love. This is what he said to the church of Ephesus. Remember from whence you have fallen. Repent of what you are doing that is different from that. And do the first things again. Remember, repeat, repent. That's a divine formula that we need to apply to our lives as individuals and as a church as we enter 211. If we are going to exhibit that same kind of excitement and devotion that the early church did. Notice now, Jesus didn't say here to do it when you feel like it. But we had to do it because that's the only way that this relationship with Jesus can remain intense. You see, too many of us want to feel filled before we do anything. We want to feel committed. We want to feel anointed, they say today, before we do anything. So we don't do anything because we don't feel it. Although God commands that we do. But in the meantime, while we're waiting for this divine feel and feeling, because we feel like filling our minds with TV, religious trash and junk food, we slowly, we slowly fade into spiritual oblivion. 
because we don't really live out what we say we believe. We all, we all say we want to be like the early church, but yet most of us are living like the last church, the church of Laodicea, the one that God wanted to spew out of his mouth. You see, we fail to realize that the early church did something because it believed something. They did what they did because they believed what they believed. We are trying to do what they did without believing what they believed. We are trying to do what they did without the commitment, the dedication, and the devotion that they had to what they believed. Listen to the divine description of the kind of life and community experienced by the first Christians in the glow of their first love for God and for one another. Acts chapter 2 verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And notice that. They made an indelible impact upon their community. The people of the city stood in awe of what these early believers were doing and what God was doing through them. Notice now, because most of the time we read this verse, we focus on the signs and wonders, saying that's what the church did. No, no, no. It's what the apostles did. Not the church as a whole, but what the apostles did. And in fact, what is being emphasized here is not the miracles, but rather what the people were doing that caused awe to come upon the city. What were they doing? Look at verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possession and goods, they gave to everyone as they had need. That would struck the city with awe. What the people were doing, not what the apostles were doing with their miracles, but what the individuals were doing and showing love one to another. That is what struck the people with awe. These folk cared for one another. They showed it in practical, sacrificial ways. They were illustrating what Jesus meant when he said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. How? That you love one another. They were putting that into practice. They believed what Jesus said and they demonstrated. You see, we say we believe, but we don't act on that belief. And so this is my passionate desires for members of the incredible body of Christ. Not only here at Calvary, but everywhere else. That we might be known, known for our love for God and our love for one another. If we are known for our love for God and for one another, the city will stand in awe at what God is doing through his people. Do you know that we have right now an opportunity, a rich opportunity? To show love for others in a tangible way as we enter the year 2011. There are hundreds of people right now in the fire trail area who need housing, who need clothing, who need food. This is a rich opportunity for the people of God to show love, God's love. I called up, I spoke to one of the 
ministries, Brother Hanchel is doing a good work down there. They need funds in order to get the money. I was trying to organize something where our people could go and take food themselves. But right now, the things are going, it seems, since they're already there, it may be best to work through them. But we're still looking for an opportunity where our people who want to do it would go down and distribute the food themselves. But now, until then, we could give our money. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity tonight as you leave. If you want to demonstrate love at the beginning of a new year, if you want to put into practice what God says in His Word, that this is how we show that we love Him by loving others. I'm going to ask you to give to people who cannot give you back. Can't give anything to you. Now you say, well, I didn't come prepared. You got any money at all in your pocket? You prepared. I'm asking whatever you have able to give now, you give. If you believe that that's a means of demonstrating love, let's see it then. You see, that's the kind of thing that the early disciples did. They lived out their belief. And so I'm challenging you to do that. And as we stand to sing our closing hymn right after the Lord's Supper, Begin to give you an opportunity for that. But these original believers also socialized and worshiped together. Verse 46. Every day, day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They socialized together. They worshiped together. It was a communal thing. There's no idea that I could worship God at home looking at TV preachers. No, no, no. They came out to gather together to worship, to pray, to hear the word of God, and to fellowship, to care for one another. There was that communal spirit there. I'm saying to you, that is the kind of thing we've got to renew in 2011. We have to once again... Do the things that we did at the beginning. And the result of that, the scripture goes on to say, is the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In other words, what these early disciples used as a tool for evangelization was love. Not tracks. Now you could give out tracks. Not going knocking on doors. You could do that. That's good. We need. But you know what they use for an evangelistic tool? Love. 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 That's the greatest evangelistic tool we have at our disposal. Love. Verse 42. They devoted. Here is the reason now. They were doing what they were doing. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. To fellowship. To the breaking of bread and prayer. Notice the word devoted. That's a powerful word. It's an intense word. Totally committed to, consecrated to. No Christian can grow and no Christian can be what God wants him or her to be without this kind of devotion to these things here. The apostles' doctrine, 
prayer and fellowship. You can say what you like, but if you lose this core relationship with the people of God, you cannot grow the way God wants you to grow as a believer. One of the first things is the apostles' doctrine. That means the word of God that we have today. They were devoted to the apostles' doctrine, listening to it, learning it, and putting it into their lives. Very few Christians today are devoted to the word of God. They don't want to hear doctrine. What? No. They want to hear somebody who would entertain them and excite them and cause them to jump all over the seats. And when they finish, everything else is forgotten. They don't, they're not devoted to the word of God. They're devoted to the preacher. You could be devoted to the preacher all you want. It's not going to cause you to grow as a believer. The only thing that's going to cause you to grow is when you are devoted to the word of God. They were devoted to the word of God, devoted to prayer. Do you believe I even get criticized for having the prayer time we have in the Sunday mornings? Why don't you do it some other time? You know why? Because you're not going to be there. And you know why you want me to have it another time? Because you're not going to be there. No devotion to the things that cause us to become Christ-like. They, 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 they get in my way. And caring for one another. They were devoted. They were committed. And we need that kind of devotion. They enjoyed the things of God together. They enjoyed eating and worshiping together. They were devoted to them. Are you devoted to the things that Jesus Christ himself are devoted to? Jesus is devoted to his people. Jesus is devoted to his word. See, my concern is that many of us who name the name of Christ will devote ourselves to a TV show rather than a prayer meeting or the Lord's Supper or time on the beach. We'll be devoted to all of these things, but not with the things that draw us in a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm saying to you that in 2011, we should have a renewal in that area. We should become people who have one resolution, if you want to call it that, or at least a resolve. And that is that we will be devoted to the things that draw us close to Jesus Christ. Some folk come out to the church only when a certain preacher is preaching. That shows who they're devoted to. They're not devoted to the church. They're not devoted to the word. They're devoted to the preacher. They don't regard the word of God as a rule of faith for, as a rule and authority for faith and practice and for their life. They're devoted to other things, but not to the word of God, but not these folk that we're reading about here. The early church devotion to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer, was done within the context of the fellowship of the believers. And it was an indication of their devotionship to Jesus Christ. That's the whole key to the matter of true discipleship. Devotion to Jesus Christ. And our devotion to him is dependent upon whether we regard him not only as our Savior, but as our Master and as our Lord. You know, that's what struck the people in the early church. Peter's first sermon, and he gave the message. 
He came and he gave the application in verse 36. Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. Notice, both Lord and Messiah and Christ. Both Lord and Savior. Notice, it wasn't the law that Peter used to prick the hearts and consciences of these folk. But it was the fact that Jesus Christ was both Savior and Lord. Savior and Lord. That's why verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? That's the question you and I need to ask ourselves as we go into this new year. What shall we do? What shall we do? Will we continue to devote ourselves to other interests other than the word of God, the prayer, and the fellowship of the saints? Jesus says we must do the things that we did at the beginning in order for this lost love to be restored. The things that the early church did at the beginning was to be devoted to the word, devoted to prayer, devoted to caring for one another. What should you do in 2011? The same thing they did. You put that formula to work and your love for Christ will be restored. That's Jesus' teaching. Recognition on the part of these people brought, brought about repentance. And so I say to you, hear the words of the Master, his final words to us. Repent. Change your thinking that will lead to a change of ways so you'll do the first things you did when you were burning in your love for me. I want you to be devoted to me. And your devotion to Christ in 2011 will be demonstrated by your devotion to the Word of God, the prayer, and to the people of God. Will you be devoted? Bow with me in a word of prayer, please. Take a few moments of quiet reflection as we approach this new year. We're going to have Lord's Supper right now. But respond to whatever God has said to you through his word. What is it that you need to renew? Your commitment to the word, to listening to the word, to learning to teach the word of God, to studying the word, to prayer, to pray for God's people, to be a part of the prayer fellowship when we have them, caring for one another, reaching out, for those around us? Will you put the formula that Jesus himself gave for restoring lost love by remembering that relationship you had, repeating the things that caused it to come about in the first place? Will you do that? Make that commitment to God, not to me, but to God, and let him know that you from this time on, as you go into 20, 11, you will be devoted, devoted to him, devoted to his word, devoted to his people, devoted to prayer, devoted to worship. You will be a devoted disciple in 2011.